today and tomorrow are all about Israel. It is impossible to understand the current Israeli-Palestinian conflict without knowing Israel's history and her prophesied future. The story began thousands of years ago and it continues in the headlines every single day. We will focus on this small but very significant nation on this edition of The End Time Show. Well, good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of The End Time Show. You know, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict in East Jerusalem and Judea, or the modern-day West Bank, they dominate the headlines every day. Israel is only, think about this, Israel's only 8,019 square miles. It's so small that you could set 33 nation of Israel in the state of Texas. And the West Bank is just over a third of that. So, very, very small, but yet so significant in the plan of God. If you look throughout the Bible, it's all throughout the Bible centers around Israel, doesn't it? And it does as well today. So, what do the Palestinians really want? Why are they fighting to have a capital in East Jerusalem? Why are they killing Jews? Why does the United Nations view Israel's presence in the territories liberated from Jordanian occupation during the 67 Six Days War, including East Jerusalem, why does the United Nations and the international community view that as a flagrant violation of international law, setting the stage for the Battle of Armageddon? What is going on? The international community, United Nations, and Arab world, even our current administration in Washington, does not want you to pay any attention to Israel's history written in Scripture and in the history books. Why? Because it does not align with their two-state solution narrative that they're trying to push. There has to be a two-state solution. And so they're trying to force Israel into that. And the problem is, is that in the near future, Israel will in fact do that. But I want you to understand really what's going on. And so I'm going to spend maybe a next, the next couple days on this because I want you to never forget what, what, what's really going on in Israel. And now, not necessarily the, the judicial overthrow or something like that. We do need to know about those things but I, and, or their, every little nuance of their government. But I want you to understand what's really going on in Israel is a spiritual battle that will culminate at the final battle of on earth, which is the battle of Armageddon. If you do not understand the things that I will talk about over the next couple days here, there's no way for you, for I could come on here and talk about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict 
and you just think, well, there's these Palestinians and they're killing Jews and the Jews retaliated and that's just it. No, no. It goes way beyond that. I have taught hundreds and hundreds of Bible studies. And when it comes to Israel, most people do not really understand the significance of that little nation over there. In the Bible, in God's eyes, why is the United States the number one ally of Israel? So it's very important that we understand these things in the grand scheme of things. Why does end time ministries support Israel so much? Why are we so invested in that nation in the end time? We put a lot of time and effort and money into that. Is it all for naught? Well, absolutely not. I'm telling you. Uh, it's, it's for a wonderful cause, and we'll get into some of that as we go along here. So, <clears throat> we are watching all of these prophecies play out really in our headlines every day. And that is why we're going to spend a few of these segments on this topic of Israel and maybe over the next few weeks, I, I don't know. I mean, I have to, I'll be on tomorrow, the radio. On Thursday and Friday, I'll be traveling up to uh, Branson, Missouri to be on the Jim Baker Show again. I'll be on there Friday, and Doug and Vince will be on the radio. And then if I don't get done with this today, I may continue it next week because you have to understand this. So, let's get off into Israel. There are more prophecies about the nation of Israel than, than just about any other nation on the planet. And it is, again, it's impossible to understand the current Israeli-Palestinian conflict without knowing Israel's history. Um, the the uh, Smotrich in the new government, he said the other day, we need to wipe out um, the, a, a city out in the West Bank. Well, why did he say that? Well, Palestinians killed two Israelis and the Israelis retaliated against that. But, but what's the conflict all about? If you just read that news, you think, well, they're going at it again. So what? No, it's, it's so much more than that. So, I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning. I'm going to take my time, and I'm going to make sure that you understand this. Because it affects you more than you think. The first 11 chapters in the Bible is devoted to 2,000 years of human history. The creation, the flood, the Tower of Babel, uh, Cain and Abel. I mean, you just it, that's in the first 2,000 years of human, exist, uh, human existence, and it's covered in the first 11 chapters of the Bible, Genesis 1 through 11. But when a man named Abraham arrives on the scene, God says, Oh, let's throw on the brakes. God slows way down. And he spends the next 12 chapters on the life of this one man. And this indicates how important Abraham was in the plan of God for humanity. Now this is all the way back in Genesis chapter 12, but he is going to have an effect on everything going on in the Middle East today. The conflict between the Palestinians and the Israelis stems from this one man, Abraham. But if you don't understand the history then it would be impossible for me really to go into what's really going on over there. Abraham became the father of the physical people of God on the earth, the Jews and the Arabs. But for my conversation today, mainly we'll stick to the Jews. 
And he also became the father of the spiritual people of God on the earth, the church, through, the, through his lineage all the way down to Jesus Christ and beyond. Now, back in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, it says this. Now, well, well here we come up on a break. Don't you love those breaks? Okay. We're going to continue on, and, and I, it's, this is so, so important. It's one of the most important topics we could talk about today. So we're going to spend some time here. We're going to take a couple programs, and we're going to go through all of this because I want you to understand this. And you can watch how things play out in the news every day once you understand the history of it. And then you can understand and tell others. They that understand what is taking place will instruct me. End time is not going anywhere. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to endtime.com future or call 800-END-TIME. That's 800-363-8463. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End of the Age television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. Welcome back, everybody. And uh, before I go into the ne this next segment here, I've got to mention our Israel tour. My wife tells me that we're it's filling up fast. And we had somebody call in the other day and wanted to bring six people with them. And so I, I, I told you that we'll get right down here to the end and a lot of people will be trying to get in. So if you want to go to Israel with us May 17th through the 28th, you got to get your name in quickly. Uh, she has to give the final names and a ticket on April the 4th. So you can see right now we're on March the 7th. So we're less than a month out. And if you want to get in on it, make sure you get your name in and we'll do all of the, the wonderful, exciting sites. We'll have the spiritual experiences, the baptisms, and I'm telling you, it's, it's a once-in-a-lifetime trip if you've never been. So looking forward to going to Israel. Call in, talk to my wife Jana or talk to Brittany Motes and they can get you signed up to go because the spots are really filling up quickly. And uh, we've got people already inquiring about this fall and next spring. So if you want to get in on this trip, make sure you um, call in and talk to those guys and get ready to get set to go. All right, here we go. Now, the, we're back at um, Abraham. The Lord said to Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, this is, where am I at? Genesis um, 12, 1 through 3. The Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. 
and I will make thee a great nation, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless you, and I will curse them that curse you, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, you want to be blessed? Bless Israel. It's, it's a promise from God. God said it, I believe it, and that's just the way it is, folks. Those that curse you, God said, I'm going to curse them. And that's the way it always has been. So, Abraham was called Abram until God changed his name. And this is God's call to Abraham or Abram. And he was called to go to the promised land. That's what I'm talking about going here in May. The land known today as the nation of Israel. And from this, from this one man, every family on the earth would be blessed. He would be a blessing. And any who blessed him would be blessed. And any who cursed him, they'd be cursed. And this promise is still applicable to the offspring of Abraham, the nation of Israel today. God gave Abraham two promises. The promise of the promised physical land and then he gave him the promise of a promised seed. And God, uh, in, back in Genesis 15, it tells us about the promised land. Genesis 15, 12, um, God said, and when the, uh, the Bible says, And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, and a horror of great darkness fell upon him. In the previous verses, God told Abraham to prepare a sacrifice. Abraham did that. And darkness came over him and he fell into a trance. Well, in Genesis 15, 17 through 18, the Bible says, And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that uh, passed between the pieces. And in the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land. And from the river of Egypt... Unto the great river, the river Euphrates. So, Israel only, like I've said many times, Israel only inhabits a very small sliver of the promised land. So God made this unbreakable covenant with Abram. Uh, Abraham, had, um, Abram had journeyed to the promised land, the land of Israel, and he was there when this promise was given. So God laid out the, um, in verse 18... God laid out the rough boundaries of the promised homeland from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates, way up in modern-day Syria. Israel has never really had all of this land except during one era, and that was during David and Solomon's reign, and that, um, th that Israel's boundaries covered the area from the river of Egypt all the way up to the river Euphrates in the north. Though Israel does not have all of this land now, the promise is still as valid as it has ever been. So there's a spiritual battle. God promised them this, but they don't have it all, and there's a reason for that. And she will inhabit it over time. But there's a spiritual battle, trying to keep Israel from having any of it. And that's all going to be rectified when the Lord comes back and there's this great the, the great reset when the Lord establishes uh, His kingdom here on the earth. So, 
you say, well, hold on a minute. What about Ishmael or the Arabs or the Palestinians? Because if we look at the modern day conflict, the Palestinians are vying for that because they say Abraham was their father as well and that they should have access to that and that the Israels, that um, Ishmael was the firstborn son prior to Isaac and so they have a right to that. Well, we're going to go all the way back to Genesis 17 and we're going to settle this once and for all. Again, if you didn't know this history that I'm going through, there's no way you could understand the current Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And it dominates our headlines every single day. Go to any Israeli news site. They're all talking about what are we going to do with the Palestinians? How are we going to settle this issue? The international community is focused on that all the time. And just recently, they, the um, Arab nations tried to get together and get a resolution passed just like Resolution 2334, which would say it would be illegal for them to build any um, settlements and to expand their um, areas in the West Bank. And because they knew that the United States was going to veto that, they kind of watered it down and got some type of a presidential resolution that says they can't do that, but it was not legally binding. This just happened in the United Nations within the last month. And so it's in the headlines every day. So what about Ishmael? Well, if you go back to Genesis 17, starting with Genesis 17:1, the Bible says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you, and I'm going to multiply you. Abraham fell on his face, or I should say Abram at this point, fell on his face, and God talked with him and said, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, Abram, and shall be, you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but now I'm changing your name to Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. And I also give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now, if you just read down to that point, you would think, well, hey, He's talking about Ishmael, right? I mean, Ishmael's the firstborn, and God said, I'm going to make this covenant with you through your descendants. There's going to be kings that come from you. However, you can't just stop reading right there. If you know all the prophecies and everything, all the whole story, God is referring to what we now know to be the modern-day nation of Israel. But what about Ishmael? That's the question. What about the, the father of the uh, Palestinians, the Arabs that were there in the land? Well, let's jump down to verse 15. The Bible says, Then God said to Abraham, As, far as, as, as for your um, Sarai, the, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai anymore, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her, 
and then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations, kings of peoples shall be from her. Well, in verse 17, of course, Sarah was very old at this point. So was Abraham. So the Bible says Abraham fell on his face, he laughed, and he said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old, and Sarah, who's ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael, listen closely, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Abraham said, Look, I'm, I'm too old at this point. I don't know if me and Sarah can have a child. Oh, that Ishmael, the father of the Palestinians. Ishmael was the father of the modern-day Arabs or Palestinians. God said, Ishmael, or what about God? What about Ishmael? He's the one. And God said, listen closely, folks, no. God said, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, through that lineage. And as for Ishmael, yes, I have heard you, Abraham. Behold, I have blessed Ishmael, and I will make him fruitful. I mean, consider um, all of the oil lands today that are under the control of the Arabs. Now think about that. Has God blessed Ishmael? You better believe he has. But God said, I, 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 I'm going to bless him, I'm going to make him fruitful, and multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, Abraham, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. And then he finished talking with Abraham, and God went up from Abraham. Now, all that's found in Genesis chapter 17. So, you understand at this time, Abraham now is 100 years old. Sarah's 90. And according to Scripture, Sarah had already gone through the change of life. And so, for this promise to be fulfilled, it's going to be as supernatural as the virgin birth. Because she's already past the, the point of childbearing. Bearing. And it would bring... Forth the, um, to bring forth the promised seed that God's telling Abraham about, it's going to take an absolute miracle. And that's a question. Why does God create these extraordinary circumstances? Why didn't God just use Ishmael? I mean, why did God use a woman who was past the, the point of childbearing in her life? Why did God say, nope, it's going to be Sarah? Well, God does it to get our attention and to make us realize that His plan is in progress and he is doing something in the earth. Abraham, this is going to be a miraculous event. So this promise was fulfilled as God said it would be. Sarah became pregnant, the baby was born, and they named him Isaac. He was the promised child. Abraham and Sarah had no doubt Isaac was this special child, and it was an incredible event. God was working his plan in the earth, and that plan today, folks, is still being worked in Israel today. You say, well, I, they, it's not the same people, and that's been f close to 4,000 years ago. And, uh, I mean, come on, Dave. I mean, God didn't mean the covenant really would be forever. Listen, listen, folks. When God says it's forever, th that means forever. And so the promise 
to the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob today still belongs to those people. So the Palestinians, the international community driven by Satan himself, anybody trying to get Israel to give up land for peace is fighting against what God, what God's plan is with the covenant that he made with Abraham. It's, a, it's the wrong thing to do. The problem is Israel's going to do that in the very near future. So, we'll get to that. A time came when God needed to test Abraham. God was making Abraham the pivot of all of human history, right? And so the, the father of the Jewish people and the father of the church, and God wanted to make sure that Abraham would prove to be loyal and faithful and to make God his first love. That's a question for all of us. Is Almighty God your first love in your life? God had to make sure that Abraham, I'm going to be your first love even above Isaac. And that's what he's doing here. In Genesis 22 verses 1 and 2, it says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt or test Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Lord, here, here am I. What do, you, what do you need? And God said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom, whom thou, I, know that, I know you love him, but I want you to get you into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering, not just in any of the mountains, but I want you to offer him upon one of the mountains, which I will show you which I will tell thee of, is what the Bible says. So God tested Abraham's faith and his, where was his, um, his number one love? What, where was his priorities? God tested Abraham. And he asked him to sacrifice the joy of his life, folks. His long-awaited promise to prove that he loved, what he loved most, God or God's promises. Now, through many people, though, though many people believe that Abraham agonized over sacrificing his son Isaac, Scripture does not indicate that that was true. And so, we're going to get deep off into this story here because this is where it all begins. And we're, we're talking about Israel. And we're focusing on Israel, and I'm so glad that God gave us the story, the history of all of this, that we could know what's going on today to be able to figure it all out and to stand on the right side of the, the story. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ part two, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. 
The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. You know, like I said, everybody, some do speculate that um, Abraham really agonized and just went into fits. And, oh, no, he, he just, you know, he was beside himself. God asked me to sacrifice my own son. But the Bible doesn't indicate that that's true. The only commentary that we have concerning uh, this event is where one of the writers said, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God. Abraham knew that Isaac was a special uh, promised child, a miracle child, and God said that through him I, I will bless the nations of the world. And so Abraham, he didn't stagger at the promises of God. You know, God leads Abraham to, after this, God leads Abraham to Moriah, to a, a specific mountain called Mount Moriah. And, th and this place is important because 1,000 years later during the reign of David, this mountain will be where the first temple will be built. And then 1,000 years later, it would become the Temple Mount. And it's still known as the Temple Mount today. It was all part of God's plan. So for the Arabs to try to take the Temple Mount away from the Jews... They're going against the plan of God. And that's something that doesn't work out too well for you, right? I mean, if you really understand what's going on here. So, when Abraham, Isaac, and the servants arrived at the mountain indicated by God to be their destination, Abraham told his servants, Hey, you guys stay here. The lad and I are going to go to yonder mountain and worship, and then we're going to return. Now, Abraham, you say, well, how did he know that? Well, Abraham knew God never failed concerning his promises, period. If God tells you something, that's it. I don't care what the circumstances look like, God will never fail on his promises to you. So God had told Abraham that his seed would be blessed through Isaac. Well, Abraham believed God's promise would come to pass. So either God would stop the sacrifice of Isaac or raise Isaac from the dead. And Abraham knew that God would not break his covenant. So when they arrived at the top of the mount, Moriah, Abraham built an altar, just like he normal. He bound Isaac. Now imagine, put, put yourself in Isaac's position. Your dad is, you, your dad just built an altar and now he starts to bind you up. And then he places him on that altar and then his dad raises a knife over his promised son, whom he loved. And he was going to sacrifice him for God. And you know, let me just interject something here. Sooner or later, God asks everyone 
who follows Him for the thing they love the most. And He wants to know if you love Him more than we love anything in this world. Now, he, obviously, I don't think He's going to ask anybody to sacrifice your kids today. I, you know, I'm, that's not what I'm saying. But will you put God first in your life? God's going to want to know that. And so he did it to Abraham. And he doesn't, God's not going to play second fiddle to anything. And so God's going to require that of us. I've got to put God first in my life. And when you do that, I'm telling you, God will, God will do things. He'll, he'll perform miracles in your life. He'll, he'll work in your life. He'll, he'll straighten your life out. You can be a spirit-led individual, live as a Christian, do God's will in your life. And I'm telling you, it's the way to live. It, I'm there's no other way. I've lived on the other side of that, and that's not too pretty. But having, having walked with God for many years and serving God and being an evangelist and uh, helping other people come to God, oh man, it's, it's many, 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 um, many times better than being a, a billionaire. People get the, lots of money and they think, well, I've arrived. There's nothing wrong with having money, but don't let your money get before you and God's relationship. Okay, so I'm not going to preach today. I'm just going to, I want to stick with Israel, okay? Even though I could. Okay, so uh, where are we at? Genesis, let's go to Genesis 22, down to what? About 12 or 13. It records the account of this event. The voice of an angel, Abraham's got the knife up. And an angel says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything to him. For now I know that thou fear God seeing that thou hast not withheld even thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram was caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went over, took the ram, and offered him instead of his son. And this event really foreshadows the fact that you and I were destined to die. Every, the whole human race was under the law of sin and death. And yet God provided Himself a sacrifice, didn't He? God made Himself a body and died in our place. And God wants to know if we love Him more than anything else. And He wants us to know He has provided for us a sacrifice. Genesis twenty two eighteen says, And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. The key to God's blessing in Abraham's, in Abraham's, uh, was, it was in Abraham's obedience. Abraham obeyed God, and God blessed him for it. So his word is his voice. His spirit is his voice. And God wants to know from all of us that, well, and the point is we must obey God's voice, right? And so God wants to know from all of us, will we obey his voice? God may talk to you about things at time, and you need to obey His voice. If God's drawing you to a good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church that He wants you to be a part of, you need to go attend that. Because if God's, if God's drawing you and leading you to do stuff, I would encourage you to do it. I, I strongly encourage. Because God's trying to work in your life, and if you avoid that and don't obey God, then you're, that means you're going to go a different direction. And, it, you know, at that point, you're doing your own thing and not God's. And again, I've been on both sides of this equation, and I'm telling you, 
following God's voice, you're going to be so much happier and fulfilled in this life. There's not anything that I could hand you, nothing that I could hand you to make you 100% fulfilled. You say, Dave, if you handed me a, 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 a bazillion dollars, a trillion dollars, I would be fulfilled. You would think that you're fulfilled because you can buy anything you want, right? Any pleasure in this world. However, you still got in the back of your mind, man, am I right with the Lord? Have I done everything I can to prepare myself for His second coming? Because that money cannot buy your way into that. And so, again, it's not wrong. there's nothing wrong with having money. Nothing. Zero. But if, you let the, if I were to say, what's the most important thing in your life? Your relationship with the Lord or a billion dollars? And you say, man, I'll take the billion dollars. <laughs> we need to have another conversation, right? So, man, something keeps trying to draw me off my lesson here today. Um, Abraham. So, it's important to know what God said when He said, and in thy seed... Abraham. It's, it's singular. It's not seeds. Abraham, he's gonna, Abraham's going to have a lineage, God said, but there's a particular seed, singular, that I'm going to bless the nations through. Um, in Galatians 3.16, the Apostle Paul made the point that this word seed was singular. Paul said, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. And he saith not, and to seeds, plural, as of many, but as of one seed, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So this promise to Abraham was referring to Jesus Christ, the answer for humanity. When God told Abraham, in your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed, he was saying in the Messiah, in Jesus Christ, will all the nations of the earth be blessed. And of course, oh, wow, since Jesus Christ, have we not been blessed? I mean, come on. If you're a Christian today, have you not been blessed by Jesus Christ and the, and the, the act of Calvary? I mean, it, it's taken you out from the law of sin and death. It's given you a clean slate, a new leash on life. It's, it, when you're born again, that's the first day of the rest of your life. So, um, Isaac, this promised child, he lived and he eventually married and had twin sons named Esau and Jacob. Esau was first born. So he had the birthright and he had the patriarchal blessing due to him as the firstborn child. However, Jacob wanted the birthright, but Esau, he really didn't even care about the birthright. Throughout the Bible, the birthright represents the things of God. Esau could care less about that. The Bible says if we seek, we will find. It also says that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. So Jacob began to plan and devise a way to get the birthright from Esau. Even though he was kind of a, a, a conniver and a cheater, he was going to cheat his brother out of that. God saw past that and saw the desire in his heart. Now, God had to work all that junk out of him over time, but he still saw a desire for these sacred things in Jacob's heart. So, Esau was a hunter, and let me, let me pause right here. I, let, me, let me just tell you. One of the things that has kept me over the years personally is a desire for God. I did some dumb things growing up. Sin, shouldn't have done. 
So why didn't God just eliminate me from the earth? Because God sensed a desire in me. God loved me and He wanted to save me. Because I had a desire for the things of God, but I didn't know how to act upon it. I didn't really know what to do or how to have a relationship with God, but I had a desire. And God helped me over time through His mercy and grace and love. And I became born again and I started living as a Christian. And things started changing in my life. And, but it all started with I had a desire for God. I, I loved God, but I didn't really know how to act upon it. So if you're out there today and you have a desire for the things of God, but you say, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm still making mistakes. I really don't know what's going on. Don't stop. Start making moves toward God because God's drawing you and you, this hunger inside of you, God's recognizing that. And God is drawn to hunger. Okay? So... Jacob was the hungry one. I want these things of God. Esau was a hunter. Okay? Jacob spent his time working around the house, helping his mom make the beds and clean and, you know, just doing piddly stuff. Esau was the man. He's the hunter. Well, one day Esau had been out hunting and carrying, uh, came to the house and he was just weary and, and he was hungry. And he, he almost felt like he was going to die. He was just completely spent. Well, Jacob was cooking pottage. And Esau asked him, he said, hey, give me some of your pottage. I'm about to die here. And Jacob told Esau, he said that he would, I'll give you some of this pottage, but I want you to sell me your birthright. Well, Esau was like, I, I don't care about that stupid birthright. So he said to Jacob uh, of his birthright, it, it, it's no good to me, I'm going to die. So um, Esau viewed his birthright really as only a, a piece of paper. Now, again, what am I doing here? I'm giving you the history of what's happening in Israel right now. Esau, or the Palestinians and the Israelis in this breakdown. You read it in the paper all the time. But if you don't know this history, you're going to be stuck on all this stuff, guys. And that's why we're going to take a couple days here and go through the whole thing. You've got to understand these stories. How does Jacob factor into Israel? Well, you'll know that before I'm done with the program today. Very important because... There are a lot of people, the international community, a lot of people that really don't believe Israel has the right to that land. They're very anti-Semitic. But once you understand the story, that all changes. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began the ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. Endtime is a small nonprofit that runs a high traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with Endtime to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-ENDTIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. So imagine the situation here. Esau viewed this birthright, 
I'm talking about the patriarchal birthright from Jacob, his father. He only viewed it as just, ah, that's just a piece of paper. Well, prior to that moment, Esau had behaved in ways that made it evident he didn't consider the spiritual things very often. Therefore, neither did he value that birthright. And he took it for granted, really. So, consistent with how he lived his life thus far, he allowed material and physical things to take precedent, and he just sold the birthright for a bowl of pottage, folks. That's craziness. Well, later, when Jacob was dying, he managed to, um, Jacob managed to steal Esau's blessing as well. And as a result, Esau realized that he lost both the birthright and the blessing of Jacob. So Esau became angry and set out to kill Jacob. So Jacob had run for his life. He had to run for his life. Jacob came to the, he, he hits the ground running. His mom comes to him and says, hey, Esau's going to kill you. And so you need to hit the ground running. You've, he knows that you've deceived Isaac, your father, and so he's going to kill you because now he's come to his senses. He knows what happened, and so you're going to have to hit the ground running. Well, he runs to the house of Laban, who is a relative of Abraham's family. And while he's working for Laban, Jacob married both of Laban's daughters, Leah and Rachel. And Jacob had 12 sons who eventually became known as the leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel. And this was the beginning of the nation, the modern-day nation of Israel. Now, many years uh, after many years with Laban, Jacob decided that it was time to go back, and he's gonna he's going to go back to his family. And he felt it was time to make things right with his brother. Well, <clears throat> while he was on his journey to return home, Esau heard about Jacob coming home, and he goes to meet him. So you can imagine being in Jacob's shoes. He's shaking in his shoes. He was afraid Esau was going to come and kill him, right? So Jacob sends his wives, his children, his servants, and cattle, and everything ahead to spend because he wanted to spend time alone praying to God. And while Jacob prayed, an angel came down and met with him and began to wrestle with him. Now, I know that this sounds way far-fetched, but I'm telling you, as sure as I'm sitting here talking to you on the radio, this happened. If it's in the Bible, folks, it happened. Well, the, he's wrestling with this angel, and Jacob grabbed a hold of the angel, and as the day began to break, Jacob refused to let him go. And, and Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And the angel said, okay, I got you. What's your name? And Jacob said, well, my name is Jacob. Jacob means um, cheater, supplanter. Well, Jacob, the angel said his name would no longer be the Jacob, would no longer be Jacob, the cheater, supplanter, but it would now be Israel, a prince. Thou hast prevailed with God and with men. And so, folks, this is how the nation of Israel was birthed. It was not the Palestinians. That is not their land. That is, was miraculously given to those people thousands of years ago. So, 
when we talk about the international community passing resolutions and saying that it's illegal in the eyes of the international community and international law for Israel to occupy East Jerusalem and the West Bank, that is utter folly. It's Once you understand the story that I'm telling you, it's irrelevant what the international community believes. Okay? And either tomorrow or perhaps Monday, I'll bring up some maps and different things of Israel and the West Bank and we'll dissect all of that, but I just want to give you the story right now. So, this began. Jacob's name is changed to Israel by Almighty God. And as the nation of Israel grew, God continued to repeat. You know, this story needs to be told in the United Nations. I mean, come on. As anti-Semitic as, those, as that place is and uh, passing laws against Israel and saying that their occupation there is uh, illegal in the eyes of the international community and against Israel, uh, international law, they're fighting against God. Do you understand the, the, the uh, gravity of this situation, folks? And this is going to end up in the Battle of Armageddon. So as the nation of Israel grows, uh, God continued to repeat His promise of the promised land and the promised seed. Uh, if you go to Genesis 50, 24, it says, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I'm going to die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. <clears throat> The promise was given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember, that's the lineage, not Ishmael. I want to remind you that <clears throat> Ishmael and the Palestinians are not in that lineage. And as we move along, don't forget the special mountain that God has specifically chosen for Abraham. And there are people who would love to divide that today, who, to drive the Jews off of that, and the Palestinians or the Jordanians or the Arabs that control that. But I'm telling you, they're fighting against God. They are fighting against God's plan. And it's not going to turn out very nice for them in the end. Now, <clears throat> let's jump forward about a thousand years now. David was born, King David. And... Ended up being king, I should say. He became a prominent figure in the plan of God in all of Jewish history. He was the second king of Israel. He was the man after God's own heart. He was a giant killer. Let me, let me pause right here to say something else. David was considered a man after God's own heart after he committed adultery with Bathsheba. He was still considered a man after God's own heart. So... If, if you make a mistake, it doesn't mean your life's over, okay? Don't let Satan feed you the line that, oh no, I've made a life-ending mistake here and God hates my guts and he's never going to, I can't be saved. Listen, that's a lie from Satan. If you've made a mistake, repent, clear the air with everybody involved, get up and stay on the straight and narrow and you can make it. It's a promise from God. And now, I'm not encouraging you to go out and make mistakes. That's not what I'm saying. But I, all I'm telling you is that if you make a mistake, don't let Satan hammer you over the head with that for the next 25 years. Clear the air. Make things right. 
and get up and keep on. You can make it. This is, there is hope in all of this. If there's no hope, I mean, come on, what are we all doing here? I've made mistakes in my life and God forgave me. And everybody, you're going to make a mistake every once in a while. But you can, you got to do your best, but God can help you. Okay, man, see what this stuff leads into, everybody? So, man, back to David. <laughs> he was a man after God's own heart. He, he, was a, the, the, he killed Goliath. I mean, he became the deliverer to the people of Israel. And over time, the spiritual climate of Israel under his reign began to degenerate. And God became angry at Israel because they were backsliding. The Bible says, And God moved David to number Israel. Now, God told the kings not to number the people because He wanted them to rely on Him, not their numbers. But God moved on David to number the people of Israel because He's, doing, he's going to work something out here. So David did that. Because of God's previous instructions to not number the people, Joab, David's general, tried to convince David not to do it. But David said, did it anyway, and then his heart smote him because he knew that he had sinned against God. Well, when David inquired of the prophet Gad concerning the mistake, the prophet Gad gave him three choices. He said, you can either run from your enemies for three months, you can have seven years of famine, or three days of pestilence from God, or three days of pandemics. Now imagine that, it's the same uh, synonymous term. Three days of these horrible pandemics. Well, David said, well, I'm going to fall on the hands of God because I know that He's a merciful God. So David chose the three days of pestilence from God. Oh man, it come down like a flood. I mean, as, as a result, there were 70, of these three days of pestilence, there were 70,000 people died. And more would have died if David had not cried to the Lord and taken full responsibility for what he did. David asked God to stop the pestilence. And in 2 Samuel 24, 18, the Bible says, And God came to David and said unto him, Here's what I want you to do. God's talked to me. Go up, rear an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. David said, Done. David went up to Arana. And when he asked him for the threshing floor, Arana offered to give him the threshing floor for free. He, he said, oh, man, I'll give you the threshing floor, the oxen, the tools, the wood. I mean, I'll give you the whole thing because David was the king. But in verse 24, David responded and said, Nope, because I will surely buy it of thee at a price. You know, many today want, really want, uh, uh, they only want religion that requires nothing of them, right? But David refused to offer anything to God that cost him nothing. David bought the threshing floor of Arana and the sixth oxen, the six oxen for, uh, and the oxen for, uh, what was it, 50 shekels of silver. And this threshing floor, now I'm walking you through the history, how we get to where we're Israel is today. This threshing floor that belonged to Arana is the same place as Mount Moriah and where the Temple Mount is located right now in 2023. Where Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac, where David bought the threshing floor of Arana to stay the pestilence off of Israel. That's the same place where the Temple Mount is located today. So when the international community comes along and says, oh no, 
you should not have access to that. That's illegal in the eyes of the international community. I sit back understanding the history of all of this and saying, you guys are, you guys are fighting against God and it's not going to end up very good for you. Why do you think God, one of the reasons God is going to come back and do away with the human government on the earth and establish His kingdom? Because God's got a plan and if you fight against that plan, that's not a good thing. Well, that's what the international community is doing. You say, well, the international community, where are they getting their mindset from? Satan! The Bible says the dragon gives that world governing body its seat, power, and its great authority. What's going on in Israel today is a battle between evil and good. That's what's going on. And that's why when we cover some of the nuances of what's going on in the Israel government and things like that, you have to understand the history of all of this and how we got to where we're at right now. Okay, we're coming up to the end of the program. I'm probably going to chalk the wheels right here. We're going to pick it up right here tomorrow. And I want you to understand the history. How do we get to where we're at right now? Because you are having it crammed down your throat in the liberal news media that Israel is at fault here. Now, Israel's not doing everything right. But Israel does that God did give them that land and they are trying to possess it. So we'll talk more about it tomorrow. I want to say thank you all for joining me. It's a great big story, but you need to understand it to really understand what's going on over in Israel. We'll pick it up right here tomorrow. God bless. Have a great evening.